You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. If you would, take a copy of God's Word and open to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3. If you weren't here at our 10 o'clock, we had two uh, great missionary families here, uh, Doug and Sandy Combs, and uh, then we had Tim and Sandy Fink, and uh, Doug and Tim delivered two great messages, and boy, the passion which y'all delivered that with, I appreciate that very much, and thank you for being here today. Well, this morning, we're going to continue our series. We began a series last week entitled The Amazing Church, looking at that and looking at the early church. And our goal, our ambition is not to become a bigger church, even though we like that, but more of the kind of church that God would have us to be. And last week, we talked about the ideal church member, the amazing church member. His name was Barnabas, Barnabas the encourager. He would break down those barriers. He would help carry the burden. He collapsed the barrier. He connected believers with other believers. And then he just cared for the broken. And he was such a great encouragement to the early church. And I pray, as I said last week, that we will be a church filled with Barnabases. People who encourage others. As I said last week, I don't know about you, but... I always need encouraged, and I thank God today for the encouragers in my life. But guys, I'm telling you, people outside here, people in Lima, people all over the world today, as you know, need encouraging, and we need to understand that this morning like no time ever before. So this morning, I want us to look in more detail at the early church. And how those on the outside, when they looked in, they were amazed. That reminds me of when revival was breaking out in different countries at different places. And people couldn't even get in church. And they would go and they would just look in the windows. Can you imagine it being that way here? And we need to pray that God, once again, will send that type of revival here in the United States of America. So today I want us to be that kind of church that we would strive, that we would strive to become. So in Acts chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 1 there, and we'll read the first 10 verses. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately... His feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement 
at what had happened to him. When this man who was lame from birth was healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the people were filled with wonder and amazement. You ought to underline that because without question and without controversy, the model church, the Jerusalem church, was a church that amazed the people who watched it. Not only were they filled with wonder, but the word amazement translated ecstasy means literally to stand outside yourself or to be beside yourself. You see, the church did not leave them feeling apathetic or even mildly surprised or even casually interested. Something was happening in that church that filled people with ecstasy. They were beside themselves. I mean, with astonishment and with bewilderment. Honestly wonder. Now hear this. Can this be said of this church or actually any church around this area or even of Christianity in America right now? As the people look around us and look at us, are they astonished with amazement? The first thing I want us to see this morning is the context of this. Peter and John went to church at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. The context of this amazing church was one of discipline and of fellowship and devotion. Now look at fellowship. We are used to seeing Peter and John together. But this wasn't always so. For them to even be together shows the astonishing act of power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, and it, it just kind of put that church in an amazement. Because if you understand that Peter and John was kind of enemies there for a little bit. You remember that? They have been almost natural enemies in the group of 12. Both of them, you remember what they wanted? The chief seats. And were many times at odds. But now we find them here together. They went fishing together. You remember last week, I talked about how Paul told Barnabas, no, we're not bringing Mark. He's a quitter. He's this. So what happened? You remember? Barnabas took Mark, and Paul took Silas, and we saw the ministry that happened. But here they are now, Peter and John. They have been joined together by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were different. If you remember, Peter was a man of action, John of meditation, kind of like, you know, Mary and Martha. Martha was active. Mary was very calm and serene. But now put together in that church, it was awesome. See, many of us think, you may say, oh, well, what a wonderful place Lima Baptist Temple would be if everybody there was just like me. No. The riches of the church is that people are made up of different temperaments. Lori and I use the temperament study a lot in our premarital counseling. And just because you may have inherited a temper, it may explain your behavior, but it doesn't excuse it. Amen? Well, you know, I wouldn't be this way if I wouldn't have got this from mom or daddy. I'm sorry, it don't work, okay? Understand the riches of the church is that people are made up of different temperaments, contradictory, complementary, and are joined together by what? The power of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, part of the amazement of that church was what he continued to put together. He just was able to bring these people together. And man, when they were there together, 
working for the same thing, the kingdom, it's amazing what God did. Let me tell you something. If people come to church and see the same kind of arguing and the same kind of isolation that they see at home, they see at work or at school, they will say, what's the difference? Why go? What's the difference? Why go? A church that amazes is a church where Jesus Christ puts people together in a way that people see nowhere else, and they're amazed that he has done it. Not only that, but it was also a church of devotion up to the temple in Acts 3.1. Aren't they Christians? Why are they going to the Jewish temple? Well, until God himself destroyed the temple, they continued to be part of it. They went to God's house at God's time. At that time of prayer at 3 o'clock, there were three times that the Jews went to pray. Morning, evening, and sunset. I want you to notice this. Not only was there fellowship in the church that amazed, but there was also a discipline of devotion. These people had been with Jesus in the flesh. Can you imagine being with Jesus in the flesh? And some people still didn't believe in him. Eyewitnesses to his resurrection. They had walked into the empty tomb. They had saw him alive, spent 40 days with him, had been at Pentecost. But in spite of all of that, they all needed the regular structure of devotion, and they did not depart, and they did not depend on spontaneity. Listen to that. They depended upon a discipline in their life And there at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, you found them at God's house, at God's hour, at the regular discipline of devotion. And understand this morning, we never outgrow that. If we're going to be a church that amazes Lima, the church they went to wasn't perfect either. We need to understand that. As a matter of fact, It was far from being perfect. People did not want them there. You remember me saying this all the time. I always use this joke. I've always wanted to pastor my own church with no people, but I'm afraid I would move my membership. Now let that sit in there for a moment. People. People did not want them there. These were the people who crucified Jesus. You see, so many times I see a hint of revival. Perhaps... Hearts are being broken. And then, well, there's just no discipline. Without it, you will wither. You'll dwarf. And your spirituality will dry up. Now, there's no better time to say than today. I'm going to practice the disciplines of the inner life. That is the context of the amazing church. But next, look at the concern. They found an unexpected an unsolicited opportunity to witness. Look at verse 2. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. What are the concerns of a church that is said to amaze? Well, this man obviously was crippled from birth. Acts 4.22 says he was over 40 years old. His parents had never seen his first steps. As a boy, he did not play with others. No help available. Helpless and hopeless. 
every day in front of church begging. Could not work, could not farm, could not fish. Dependent on others. Only concern was just to get by. Now hear this. People aren't interested in theology when they're starving. You believe that this morning? This man became the concern of the amazing church. You may ask, well, pastor, what's the point? You want us to heal the lame on the front steps? No. The Bible says there is something all of us, about all of us, because all of us are crippled by worse than what he was crippled by. You know what it is? Sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and what? Fall short of the glory of God. Now, who all does that include? All. All of us missed the mark. All of us have rebelled against God and have been crippled by something far more serious than this man's physical lameness. We have been deformed, crippled because of being in sin. See, whatever you want to believe, all of us at one time or another were cripples at the gate. I regret that in many churches, not only does God seem to be dead, but sin is also. Nobody really talks about sin anymore. We seem too, to be too sophisticated. Do you need to, you need to understand this? The central problem of humanity is a capital S-I-N. Sin. That's it. We sit around and we try to discover what the problem is in our community. Same thing as back then. Since the world's philosophy does not believe in God, then sin cannot be the problem according to them. You see, this deception has gone on since Adam and Eve. But here this morning, however, if sin is your problem, Christ is the cure. Simple, but not easy to live. Listen to this statement. It is the duty of nations, as well as men, to own their independence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions and humble sorrow yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon. President Eisenhower used this quote from Lincoln as a part of his declaration for a day of prayer in 1953. So let me ask you a question. What has changed since then? The world believes in life that life can only be managed. Two words have almost disappeared from our vocabulary as Christians. One of those words is sin. The other word is repentance. Look at this quote. Don't ever forget it. Confession is common, but repentance is rare. Confession is common, but repentance is rare. You see, many churches, they don't want to talk about sin and repentance. Because it is too negative of a subject. No one wants to talk about sin, do they? Can I tell you, if sin is such a negative word, one of the most positive words in the Bible is repent. It's the most, I mean, you can just repent like that. We need to understand it. Yet our world has taught us that our problem is not sin. You know what it is? It's our environment. I mean, 
We are trying to go green, right? Don't get me to going down that road. What around us, I mean, is our problem? It certainly couldn't be us, could it? I mean, our world taught us that the reason you are like you are is because of your background. The way you were raised, how your mom and dad treated you, what kind of job you have or don't have, whether you have been abused, what kind of house you live in, or how much power you have. All of these things determine what we are, don't they? See, the question that needs to be answered is this. Does the word world impact us more than the word? Huh? Does it? It's who you hang around. It's who you hear. Listen, that's why I don't like to hang around with negative people. They will influence you one way or the other. And it's usually going to be negative. I love to hang around positive people because they influence me positively. Anybody identify with that? I want to be around the encouragers, not the discouragers. I want those that say, good God, it's morning. Instead of, good God, it's morning. You understand? That's what I want. That's what I want to be around. The reason this church is here is to be a rescue mission. Lima Baptist Temple should be a rescue mission. Though Jesus Christ, we need to understand it. Through Jesus Christ, God has provided rescue from this central problem of our city. That's the reason we're here. In fact, we don't have any other reason to be here. But look at the contrast. This crippled man was notable because of his location. The beautiful gate of the temple. A tragic contrast between the beautiful gate and man on the ground at the gate. You see, Josephus, the Jewish historian for Rome, describes the scene on the east side. Just beyond the court of women were 15 massive steps leading into the court of the Hebrew men. And at the top of these steps was a huge gate 75 feet high and 60 feet wide with carvings of bronze. So when the sun hit it, it was almost blinding. This incredibly beautiful gate. And at the front door of this beautiful gate was this poor, pitiful, lame man. Think about that contrast. A place of worship and a man of woe. The dignity of the temple and the man of desperation. A tragic kind of contrast, right? Yet right around this beautiful church, this community, cripples are at the gate. And this church, as long as I'm the pastor, is going to make it a priority to reach out to these cripples. These who are hurting and dying in their sin. Just like all of us. No different. It is absolutely senseless and probably obnoxious to God himself for us to simply give an offering that goes to other sides of the earth as we sit being satisfied. When right here at the gate of the church, we are surrounded with all types of human need. At least this man came to church. He expected, now listen, 
He expected that when he came, he would find some interest. But you know what he found? All he found was hardness. I've been here for over eight years. Things have changed. Actually, tonight in my small group, we're going to be talking about, you know, Goliath must fall. and We're going to talk about comfort. I said, when I came here in the beginning of my ministry, I said, all of us need to get very comfortable at getting uncomfortable. And you know what? When I said that, I didn't really think that meant me. Huh? But I've become very uncomfortable sometimes. But it's okay. And we need to understand that. But what I'm asking is, when that man came to church, all he found was hardness. Can I ask you, what do the people that come in here since my eight years here, at the beginning to now, that don't look like the others, don't smell like the others, don't think like the others, don't dress like the others, what do they find here? And I'm telling you what, it's a, a sin to Almighty God for us to treat anybody different than anybody else. This is what I want you to understand this morning. What do they find? It arrested the attention of Peter and John. Probably seen there before, but now see different because of Jesus, and they were now filled with the Holy Spirit. Makes all the difference in your life. Well, notice the confidence. Notice the confidence expressed. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. Peter said, look at us. In fact, he said, look into us. We can hold up to your scrutiny. Man, we have something to offer you. We have been with Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, look at us. Can we say that to this community? When people drive by and see our campus, we say, look at us. When we do, it creates expectation, which creates our obligation. People look at us. They expect something. <clears throat> Excuse me. They expect something like Peter said in Acts 3.6. I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You see... They shared their lack and pointed to their Lord. You see, we do like resources, but it does not inhibit us or keep us from doing what only Jesus Christ can do. They shared their lack, then pointed to their Lord. What I give you. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. And immediately his feet and, immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And hear this. The power belonged to Christ, but the hand belonged to Peter. They did not go back to the upper room after Christ had arisen and say, let's form a committee for those cripples at the gate. Or let's get a preacher to preach at the revival, for a revival at the gate. They were not spectators, but participators. The church that amazes the city is the church that has hundreds of hands reaching out and saying in the name of Jesus Christ, I am taking you by the right hand. I'm going to do what I can do. And Jesus Christ will do what only he can do. You see, sometimes, as you've heard the phrase, we get so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. You see, it's not a matter of what God can do, but a matter 
of what I can do. When that boy did only what only he could do, God multiplied it. When he healed Lazarus, he told them to do what they could do. What was that? Move the stone. That's all they could do. Then Jesus did what he could do. Lazarus, come forth. I tell you, we're not going to reach this community by standing on the promises and sitting on the premise. Can't do it. Can't do it. It's going to be when we hold out our hand and we say we are going to do what we can do until Jesus can do only what he can do. And say in the name of Jesus Christ, you can be whole. We're not going to amaze anybody until we are willing to do that. Until we have all authority like the risen one. And we tell the people in the house of Jesus Christ, you can be made whole. Then we will see people amazed just like this man. You see... It would kill my soul if you say to me, Pastor, we have gotten as big as we can. We have done all that we can. No, I want us and God wants us to be a church that amazes this community. Not for the sake of amazement, but because the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, wants to make spiritual cripples get up. And walk. Now let me ask you. Have you for sure. Accepted Jesus Christ. As your Lord and Savior. I didn't ask. Did you walk down the aisle. Fill out a card. Have you confessed with your mouth. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And asked him to come in your heart. Forgive you your sins. And save you. I did not ask if you are a church member. But have you encountered Jesus Christ. In a way that has rescued you from being a spiritual cripple and has set you walking because Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Not a fire insurance policy, but the Lord of your life changed you. Listen, the only cure for sin this morning is Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you this morning that confession is so common. And again, but repentance is so rare. You know, I always try to think, and God knows I want to be like this. I'm not always like this. But boy, when we see people, do we have the eyes of Jesus to really see them as Jesus sees them? And then when we see them, if we see them that way, do we take the time to stop. We ask people a lot, how are you doing? But we do add a lot out of habit, don't we? You've heard me say that. Do we really want to know what's going on in people's lives? Pastor, let me tell you what's going on in my life. There are people in here today sitting everywhere, got all kind of issues. I got, own set, I, got, I got my own set of issues. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, there's only one person that can fix all of them for us. And it's all the same, Jesus Christ. That's it. But I'm telling you today, people, we can use COVID for an excuse. We can use this for an excuse or whatever. But the only excuse really is sin. And guess what? It's inexcusable when you have an almighty God that comes in and you confess your sin and you repent of your sin and he saves you and he forgives your sin. And that's what we need to understand this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we prepare for our invitation, if you're here this morning and you just need to come to this altar today and say, God, help me, help me. Like I said, we all have issues. Just to come and pour whatever you need the altar will be open. You can come and pray with one of us pastors. But it, I would ask this church as a whole that we would start seeing people as Jesus sees people. That we would slow down long enough and understand that we have cripples at the door every Sunday. There are people all around this community that are dying and going to hell. One is because nobody's ever even invited them to church. Nobody's even told them about Jesus. Can you just ask maybe for revival and all of us and for this church and that we will be willing to do whatever we need to do because we know what God can do. Lord, this morning, this is your invitation to all of our people. God, I pray that you help all of us understand that we're all spiritual cripples. And God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. This morning, God, I pray that whatever needs to happen in this place will happen. And we'll give you all the glory for it. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.